Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. We're going to be back in Romans today, chapter 8. And we're going to look in starting in verse 31 today. And I don't know how far we're going to get today, if we're going to finish all of this today. But this is at that great crescendo, this great ending to chapter 8 before he goes into those tough next three chapters of chapters 9, 10, and 11 that deal with Israel. Remember the book of Romans is about the fact that there's a righteousness that comes from God alone, right? That there's nothing we can do to earn it, deserve it, to pay for it. Remember what does the old song say? Jesus paid it all, right? He didn't pay some of it or part of it or most of it and leave something for us to do. As some people want to say that you got to be baptized or confirmed or take communion or do good works. When you know the Lord, you'll do those things, right? You'll be baptized and you'll, you'll do good works. And those things come from being saved. They don't come to get saved. Jesus says, come just as you are. He says, come all you who are weak and heavy laden and, and weary and I'll give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? He says, come whoever wants to drink the water of life, let him come and drink freely. And so he says, come and I will fill you and I will satisfy you and I will change you. So remember the first three chapters are about the fact that there's none righteous, no, not one. And he beats that to death in three chapters and tells us there's no way you're going to heaven and let you know on your own that the, the righteous man the man that, the moral man that thinks he's going to get there by doing something the man out in the jungle he's not going to make it because unless he puts his trust in Christ and finally when he gets to chapters four he tells us about David of course David was a God, was a man after God's own heart but guess what he was also a very sinful man and he did a lot of wrong things and so he tells us how David was saved and then he gives us the greatest example of faith who was that Abraham right and he says Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness when we get to chapter 5 it was kind of a chapter that talked about how we're truly saved and really that, that God loves us and if he died for us while we were yet enemies and sinners, he'll do the great, he'll do the lesser thing and keep us. Chapters five and six. Chapter six talks about presenting our bodies to Christ, and then Paul tells us how we can't really live on our own for Christ, but we need the power of the Spirit. He said, "The things I want to do, I can't do." And the things I don't want to do, I do those, right? Who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then we get to this great chapter 8. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Those that know the Lord, you're either in Christ or not in Christ. So when we get to chapter 8, as we've been talking about that, we've looked at all these sections, how we've been adopted as children and how the whole creation groans and waits on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and we keep going through the section and he talks about how all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purposes right not just some things but all things 
the good, the bad, and the ugly all work towards God says even in James, he says, count it all joy when you do what? Fall into various trials, right? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When we get to chapter 8, verse 31, we're going to begin to talk about God's love towards his children a little bit more. And he says here, he says, what shall we say to these things? If God is far as who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height or depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This program that God has set in place is a program of salvation that goes from eternity past to eternity to the eternity future, which God's going to carry out perfectly, right? God does it. He says it. And you know what? God never lies, does he? Whatever God says he's going to do, Paul said that in Philippians 1, 6. He said, he said that I know that what he has begun, that he will complete to the end, right? He's not going to start something and quit in the middle. And this section of scripture really covers everything. It says that nothing can separate us to the love of Christ. So what Paul does is in this section, he asks seven questions to drive home of truth that that if we're truly believers in Christ, guess what? We're secure forever, right? I mean, there's a few verses in the Bible that, that kind of seem like you can lose your salvation. But when you look at the total Bible, I think there's about a 150 verses or something like that that say that you're completely secure in Christ. Whoever believes has eternal life. It doesn't say you will have. It says you have right now, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him has eternal life or everlasting life. And so he asked seven questions and one man wrote, nowhere in the records of holy literature do we find anything to match the power and the beauty of this remarkable written expression of praise. So God's love through Christ is the subject of this paragraph. And it's mentioned three times in verses 35, verse 37, 39. So let's look at this first thing, this question that Paul asked. Remember Paul's still using this diatribe. Remember diatribe is like imagining that you got uh, an imaginary heckler out in the audience, right? Somebody that's out in the audience is saying, well, what about this, Paul? Or what about that? Or what about this? Or what about that? And what Paul's doing is he's asking the questions that these people he's been hearing ask 
because these are the questions that he's been hearing all through his ministry. Well, what about this, Paul? What about that? And so he's answering, he's asking these questions, and he's answering them, and he's used that quite a few times in the book of Romans, and it's called diatribe. And so the first question is, is what shall we say to these things, right? What shall we say to these things? And it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And really what it says here is, what shall we say to these things? And that word if is really, it's a first class conditional if in English, if you know anything about English. But what it really means is if God be for it, since God be for us, who can be against us, right? And apparently when you use that word if instead of since, is supposed to carry a, a, a emphasis. It, it brings more emphasis. What shall we say to these things? Since God be for us, who can be against us, right? Remember he uses that in, I think it's Matthew 4, when Jesus is out in the wilderness and what happens? He's out in the wilderness and the devil says, if you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. If you're the son of God, throw yourself off this temple. If you're the son of God. Now, did the devil know that Jesus was God? Absolutely. What he was saying is, since you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Since you're the son of God, jump off this temple and the father will catch you, right? And listen, what shall we say in response to these things? All the things that he's just got through telling us about God's great love and his power and how much he cares for us. What shall we say to these things? That God's working all things together for good. And, and really, our response hard to be just to stand up and go, Hallelujah! You know, Amen! Awesome! I remember I had a guy that he, he was a friend of mine and, and he had this deep bass voice. He'd go, Hallelujah! You know, and he could do it. He had that radio voice. He could do that and... and, and Really, that's what we should be doing is just staying in the maze. What's that song? I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene who loved me, a sinner condemned, unclean. And that's what we our response ought to be is because the fact is the key to our whole security is if God be for us, who can be against us, right? Nobody can be against us if God is for us. I mean, they could be against us but anybody more powerful than God? <laughs> Nobody, right? Nobody's more powerful than God. And so what he's done through his son in the past and what he's doing through his spirit in the, in the, in the present and going to do in the future, he will certainly complete the work of salvation. I wanted to read a couple of verses over in Psalm 27 that were really good. I saw this the other day. Psalm 27 Verses 1 through 6. And David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. 
For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me and he shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above all my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer, offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. You know, that ought to be the cry of our heart there, what David said. And we know that if God's for us, who could be against us, right? But, you know, we're like Jacob sometimes. We, what do we say? Jacob says, all things are against us, right? Like the psalmist in Psalm 73, and he says, you know, I looked at the wicked, and they, they, were, they were so fat that their eyes bugged out, and they looked like they had everything. And then he says, then I went into the temple of the Lord, and I saw their end, you know. And he says, and then I was ashamed because I almost stumbled, I almost fell. And really the bottom line is that no matter what happens, God is working out his will for our life. And, and there's a verse in Jeremiah 29, 11 that a lot of people have abused today that say that God's just, everything's going to be wonderful as a Christian, but the Bible doesn't say that. He says, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, right? But God does say through Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for a hope and a future, right? He, he, he says for a hope and a future. And, and that hope is in Jesus Christ, right? And our hope is in heaven. And we don't get very much here. We get a taste of heaven here. But you know what? We get it all one day when we go to heaven, right? And that's what's great for us. So, you know, like I said, if the demons and the angels and all those can be against us, but it doesn't matter, no matter who opposes us, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then he says in verse 32, he is for believers to the extent that he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And here's that argument again that we saw back in, in Romans 5. Uh, I think they call it an alfiori argument i forget what the english translation is but it's basically the argument from the greater to the lesser that if god's going to do these great things for us won't he do the lesser things and that's what he says here he says he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things and really, this is basically about like what happened with Abraham. Remember in Genesis 22, and he said that Abraham spared not his son, his only son. And because he did that, God rewarded him. And so what he's saying in this argument here is if God made the greatest sacrifice, what is the greatest sacrifice? This would have been a great week to have actually done this on Easter, right? <laughs> but... What, would it, what is the greatest sacrifice when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, right? That was his greatest work. That was his greatest time that he proved his love. And people look and they say, oh, that's so sad that he died on the cross and he didn't accomplish what he was supposed to do. And, you know, he was a great man. But, but Jesus said, no man takes my life from me, but I lay down my life for the sheep, right? And he did it because he loved us. He died in our place and he died for our sins. And he did it because he wanted to, not because 
he had to, but he did it because he wanted to and because he loved us so much. And so if he made the greatest possible sacrifice to conform us to the image of his son, guess what? He's going to do these lesser things, right? And once you've done the greatest thing, I think that's sort of like maybe, you know, which doesn't even compare, but I guess you could, could think of that. I guess a woman doesn't have much choice, but when she has a child, I guess that's the greatest thing she could do is bring him into the world. <laughs> but after she's brought him into the world, a child, what is she going to do? She's going to take care of that child, right? That's the lesser thing. And so that doesn't even compare to what Christ did on the cross. But that's just a human example that wouldn't even match up. But what did Jesus say and, uh, excuse me, John say and John the Baptist say in John 1, 29, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And so he's going to give us all these greater, these lesser things he's going to convict us of sin he's going to cause us to repent to give us grace and faith and all of these things ultimately remember what he said a little bit before that those he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover those he predestined these he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified. And he says, it's a done deal. Glorified was in the past, right? He's going to do it all. He said, if I did this, I'm going to do the lesser thing. And so think about what Jesus said over in Matthew 6. Y'all remember that whole section about do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. And he says, if God, you know, takes care of the birds of the field and he knows even the hairs of your head, how many are on your head. And, and he says he, he you know, takes care of the lilies of the field. And even Solomon was not clothed like the lilies of the field. He says, guess what? He says, God's going to take care of us, right? And so if he's done all that, surely he will do these other things for us. If he's died on the cross for, us, for our sins, he delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, that doesn't mean we get everything we want, but he's talking about all things that pertain to life and godliness. Things that make us more like Christ, right? And he also gives us good things. And then he says in verse 33, he says here, Who shall bring a charge against God elect, God's elect? It is God who justifies what he does now is he asks this question that opens this verse and then he asks two other questions in verse 34 and 35 and he says if God's for us or since God's for us who can be against us right from verse 31 he says you know Satan is the accuser to the brethren right and y'all remember that verse in Revelation 12:10. At the end of time, when, uh, in the middle of the tribulation, or near the end of the tribulation, what's going to happen? God's going to cast down Satan, who is the great accuser of the brethren, right? It says in Revelation 12:10, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, who has accused them before God day and night, has been cast down. Remember in the book of Job, what happens? It says when the sons of God came came and stood before God and, 
And God spoke to Satan and he says, where have you been? And he says, walking to and fro and throughout the earth. And then God says, have you seen my servant Job? And the devil says, yeah, I've seen him. And he says, basically, you've given him everything. And, but you know what? Take all that stuff away from him and he'll curse God and die, right? Basically, he said he's a paid lover. You know, you're giving him all this stuff and that's why he loves you. But if you take this stuff away, he'll curse you. And the devil begins to take his children, his sheep, his family, everything away, all of his stuff away. And when it's all said and done, he, he's left his wife there and his wife, uh, he left his wife there because she, she's not too good at this point. And she says, just curse God and die, you know. And, and Job says, naked I came into this world and, and naked I'll go. He says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Though he slay me, I will yet praise him no matter what he does whether he gives me stuff or whether he takes it all away, I'm going to praise the Lord, right? And and think about this, that the devil, he's up there. I, I, I heard somebody else do this one time before they were talking about that sort of like the devil's up there, you know, and, and he's up there and he looks down and he, he's standing up there and he says, well, well, God, look what, look what Marty did. And Jesus, God looks over at Jesus and Jesus says, Sorry, devil, I paid for that sin. And he says, well, what about this one over here? He just did. He says, sorry, devil, I paid for that sin too. He said, well, what about, no, pay for that one too. What, no, no, pay for that one too. What, no, sorry. I paid for all those sins, devil. You don't have a leg to stand on, right? <laughs> and basically everything the devil accuses us of, guess what? God has paid for. He's paid for every single sin. And he says he paid for all of our sins, right? He delivered them up for us all. And so he says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? And what does he do? He answers that question by saying it is, it is God who justifies. And who is it who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is also at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So think about this. When you look at all these sections of scriptures, what do you see? You see the fact that uh, God is for us and nobody can do anything against us because he is the one. I was trying to see if I could find Zechariah over here. I wanted to read a verse, some verses out of Zechariah real quick. I had never really seen this before, but this really talks about what I was saying just a minute ago. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, I guess I'd read this before, but I really didn't remember it. But here's where the devil's basically uh, accusing, I guess, Zechariah, and he says, or excuse me, Joshua, the high priest. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. 
And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head. And when they put and they put clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. And then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of the host, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my commandments, then you also will judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among these who stand there. See, and this is Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. And he says, Joshua the high priest is standing there and the, and the devil's standing at the right hand to oppose him, right? He's standing there opposing him. But what does God say? I'm cleansing him. I'm putting new clothes on him. I'm changing Joshua. He's my man. And nobody can touch him because he belongs to me, right? So God is the only one in position to charge us with sins because guess what? He's the one that paid for them all, right? He's the one that died in our place and died for our sins. Psalm 51 verse 4, I wanted to look at that one where David talks about that. He's over there in Psalm 51 verse 4. I think that's the verse he says, against you and you only have I sinned, right? And David, this is that great psalm when he's sinned against God and he's committed sin with Bathsheba and had Uriah killed and and he says in verse 3 he says for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge so God is the one who justifies the one that legally declares us righteous and you know what he's the only one that has the right to say that we're guilty because he's already paid for our sins and you know think about this God is so awesome and so wonderful and he loves us so much but he paid for all of our sins and if he paid for all our sins and guess what somebody's got to say well you know, you got to unpay for them, or you got to say Marty's guilty because you're the one that took them all. And so he says back here in, in Romans 8:34, he says that God has already declared us righteous, and he says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who's also at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. You know, as we look at this section of Scripture, I think I'm just going to stop for today, but as we look at this section of Scripture, think about the fact that God loves us so much and He's died for us. And, and when we put our trust in Him, that you know what? That God is going to take care of us. And, but the thing is, is we have to know for sure that we've trusted Him, Right? Because many people are trusting in what? Baptism or communion or good works or I'm a pretty good person or whatever it might be. But, you know, the Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he said the only way we're going to make it to heaven is in Romans 10. He says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is God and believe that he has been raised from the grave, then thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth you confess in the righteousness. And when the heart, heart means your mind, your will, your emotion, 
that you believe the truth about God, that, that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, that Jesus paid for all your sins, and there's nothing we can do to earn it, to deserve it, or pay for it. But like I said, Jesus paid it all. And so when we put our trust in him, what does he do? He forgives us and saves us, right? And that's the most wonderful feeling in the world to know was that verse that talks about that men are always in fear of death. It talks about men and women, that people are in bondage and fear of death because we don't know what's on the other side. But you know what? We don't have to worry about what's on the other side if we've put our trust in Jesus Christ. We don't have to wonder and we don't have to worry because on the other side, we've got a loving Savior that, that loves us and cares for us. And he's going to send his angels to take us to heaven. So if you've never made that decision, put your trust in him. And if you have made that decision, just remember, if God be for us, who can be against us? And we'll come back and finish the rest of this next section next week because I really didn't want to jump any further. I'm going to save the rest of it for next week because that will be the good spot where we hit verse 34 that where he died and is risen because next week is arisen and and uh we're about out of time anyway so that's the best thing to do to cut it in half i thought that would be what we would do and that's what we're going to have to do is cut it in half today and we'll finish up the rest next week well let's pray and let's close and then we'll sing one more song father we just love you and we thank you and praise you for who you are and we're just so grateful that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Lord, I pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you today, they would be like that little child. That we, They would become like a little child and just put their trust in you as a little child will do. They will just trust and they will believe. And that's what you said we need to do. We need to become like a little child. And just put our trust in you and that they would cry out and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. And because they have asked and took you at your word is what we call faith. God said it and I believe it. That's faith. That you would cry, that you would hear their prayer and you would answer. Because you said, whoever calls on your name shall be saved. Not might be, not hope so, but shall be. So Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for your word and we thank you for... Most of all, for, your, for the sacrifice that you made when you gave your son on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, 
to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free. And these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 8.32